Hi guys, it's Kate and Supriya back with another episode of Forgotten Voices. Hey folks, thanks for tuning in to our podcast today. Just to give a little recap, um, Forgotten Voices' mission is to bring to light the international stories about the refugee and immigrant community, whose voices are often tend to be drowned out quickly by evolving international news. Last week we focused on Yemen. This week we're focusing on Australia and New Zealand being no better than many of the other nations in the world at the moment. Perfect. So just a little information for everyone to be reminded of. Um, The UNHCR's objective is to only offer resettlement to refugees in greatest need, not those that may fit a country's ethnic or socioeconomic standard. And also an important fact is that two-thirds of the world's refugees are from Africa or the Middle East. So naturally, countries' refugee quotas should be filled by about two-thirds of people that have been needing relocation from Africa or the Middle East, which seems like a common sense policy. But New Zealand's been ignoring this for a decade. Up until about 2008, New Zealand had had an equal proportion of refugees from Asia in the Pacific Islands, Africa in the Middle East, and they took in about 800 a year. But in 2010, the center-right government took power and proposed a policy change to either take half or all of their refugees from the Asia-Pacific Islands, which is insane. This got held off on the 100% quota because the Ministry of Justice thought it could, quote, be seen to discriminate indirectly on the basis of ethnic or national origin, unquote. Not really indirect. So in 2011, the policy that actually ended up turning out was that they were going to accept 50% of their refugees from Asia and the Pacific Islands, and then the rest would be split between Latin America, Africa, and the Middle East. Refugees from either Asia and the Pacific Islands or Latin America had no restrictions in terms of um, if they were able to come to New Zealand, but refugees from the Middle East or Africa could only resettle if they had family in New Zealand already. The government claimed that this was a way to reunite families, but in reality, they couldn't fill the family reunification quotas, so the spots just went to more refugees from the Asia-Pacific region. In 2012, 75% of the refugees came from Asia and the Pacific Islands, mostly from Myanmar. In 2015, which we all know is right around when the Syrian civil war started, they allocated an extra 750 emergency places on top of what they were already taking for those in Syria. But with those 750 emergency places that did not have family reunification standards, that only ended up being about 15% of the total. According to the New York Times, in the 2015-2016 fiscal year, only four refugees were accepted from Africa in New Zealand. In the last decade, the number of refugees taken from Africa a year went from about 200 people before 2008 to 20 people a year. And since 2011, only 12 refugees have been resettled from South Sudan. That's what's been going on in New Zealand. How does Australia, so Sapria, how does Australia and the other islands in Oceania process refugees and other migrants? Is it similar to the US or other countries or do they have a different way? So I actually did a bit of research on this um, a few months ago because I had the same exact question. So uh, what they call it is offshore processing. And uh, 
the asylum seekers, uh, those who flee persecution, are considered illegal maritime arrivals and unauthorized air arrivals. So the current government policy is that no person who arrives in the country by boat seeking asylum, uh, plane arrivals are not subject to this mandatory detention, are ever settled in Australia. Instead, they are sent to Nauru or to Papua New Guinea's Manus Island for offshore processing. Uh, the first Nauru experiment began in 2001 after the Tampa crisis when a Norwegian freighter that had rescued more than 400 Afghan Hazara refugees from their sinking vessel in international waters about 140 kil kilometers north of Christmas Island was refused entry into Australian waters. And so that was the, so that was the first um, ever of this. Um, however, the Nauru regime ended in 2007 due to overcrowded tents and shortage of water over and over time, um, wherein those who sought refuge by boat were not criminals, and rather instead resettled in Australia, New Zealand, and other surrounding areas. However, it reopened again in 2012. Um, keep in mind the rhetoric and the statistics Kate gave earlier. It kind of makes sense why. So in 2012, it was kept very carefully hidden and foreign journalists, but a very few were forbidden entry. Visa prices inflated, completely blocking out communication. The camps were designed to be punitive and widely promoted as a deterrent to discourage anybody from seeking sanctuary in Australia by boat. John Howard um, in Australia, the prime minister at the time, said, we will decide who comes to this country and the manner in which they come. I just take a pause, take take a breath right there. And so I questioned why Nauru? Why Manu's Island? Why um, an offshore processing system? Unlike many of the other detention centers that the United States and um, some European countries have. The reason is that Nauru used to actually be one of the richest places on earth. Um, Saudi Arabia was second, or sorry, second to Saudi Arabia. What happened is that um, there was a lot of profit mismanaging and Australia was actually the number one factor of its downfall due to um, the mismanagement of mining, which destroyed the natural environment and many, many more other issues, um, corrupt government, bad investments, et cetera, et cetera. And so these are open air offshore detention centers. The International Criminal Court um, failed again, just like they had for many other um, similar actions around the world. The ICC was established in 2002 to try individuals charged with the greatest, gravest crimes of concern to the international community, such as genocide, war crimes, and crimes against humanity. Andrew Wilkie, an independent member of parliament of Australia, wrote repeatedly since 2014 to ICC about the harsh conditions. He provided evidence of abuses, including deaths and detention through murder and medical neglect, the indefinite detention of children, forced family separation, rape, sexual abuse, self-harm, and child abuse in the offshore detention, just getting worse and worse. ICC's response to his letters was this, I quote, Cases must be grave enough to justify action by the court. It does not appear that the conditions of detention or treatment were of a severity to be appropriately qualified as the crime against humanity of torture. Scott Morrison, the current prime minister at the time, says it's an attention-seeking stunt. And it, 
I just had no words for that. Um, absolutely no words. They ICC was criticized for securing too few convictions, and um, Andrew the Andrew Wilkie uh, repeatedly reached out to ICC, and they constantly rejected him over and over. And more recently, began giving the excuse that it's out of their jurisdiction. The international court is saying that the international affairs are out of their jurisdiction. Um, and Scott Morrison said, Australia is a sovereign country that implements our policies consistent with our domestic laws and our international obligations. Again, it just doesn't make sense. Breaking like all of the UN human rights laws. Exactly. <laughs> and, exactly. So that was Australia. But what about New Zealand? What about their um, responses to all of this? Yeah. So the reason why they got away with the family reunification um requirement was that they were saying that they had the spots open but it wasn't their fault that there weren't people wanting to come let's think about how far australia is from africa or the middle east it's not like you can just walk across a couple countries to get there the odds that someone had already had family in that area were super slim but there was enough pushback that in finally in 2019 new zealand dropped the requirement that african and middle eastern refugees had to have family but they refused to change the quota here is the effect of that so the unhcr recommended that the proportion of african refugees rise to a quarter of all they were taking in and those from the middle east increased to about 35 percent to rehome refugees from syria iraq south sudan somalia congo and eutria makes sense right in reality the quota for Africa and the Middle East raised 1%. So instead of being 14%, they were now 15%. And refugees from the Asia and Pacific Island region, which the UNHCR estimates is only about 8% of the world's refugees, had half of the quota total. The Americas, which has less than 1% of the world's refugees, because remember, this is refugees and not asylum seekers, made up about a fifth of the quota. So this was all in 2019. It was advertised around the world as a super big deal and a super big change. But a lot argue that it's not enough. How has Australia been handling stuff lately? So the next thing that I'm going to talk about, I never read in the news. And it was apparently extremely hot topic in Australia and Asia Pacific Islands. Never reached the United States mainstream media, at least to my knowledge, um, never reached my social media platforms, which is generally where I get most of my news. Um, and so bear with me. In December of 2019, um, the Parliament of Australia and neighboring islands had a lot of issues regarding the medevac bill. The medevac bill allows for Australian-based doctors to recommend a refugee or asylum seeker offshore be transferred to Australia for care. The minister can refuse if he disagrees with this clinical assessment, in which case it goes to an independent medical panel for review, where the panel cannot override vetoes based on security or criminal concerns. And now, this is not limited to physical health. There are reports of children as young as 11 years old that were attempting suicide on Manu's Island, on, Nar- on Nauru, at these open-air offshore processing detention centers. 
57 medevac cases considered between July and September of 2019, but only 12 cases were approved. And that is the effect of Prime Minister Morrison in Australia at the time. The government's, the Senate leader, um, said the weak and bad medevac laws must be repealed in order to strengthen our national security again. And they had secured the support of a key independent lawmaker who argued that the law was not a national security threat, but said it gave too much discretion to doctors. The health of innocent children is apparently giving too much discretion to doctors. Especially because the people in charge are not medical people, which, you know, would make sense to be the ones making these decisions. Exactly. And so uh, Dr. Bari, a Sydney general practitioner in Australia, um, who was also the founder of Doctors for Refugees, um, quote, uh, claimed that having reviewed almost 500 medical records of people held on Nauru and Manos Island, the head injuries from machete attacks, the infections, the gang rapes, and the heart conditions, I am confident that not a single one of these people are laughing any more than the victims of the bushfires or any other disaster are, even suggesting the latter would be considered crass in the extreme. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, there are children as young as 11 attempting suicide. In 2016, the UNHCR found that 88% of people on Manu's Island were suffering from depression, anxiety, and PTSD, or a combination of all of them. I mean, these are innocent children, innocent adults fleeing for their life, being refused um, asylum, and then just being shipped off to an island where who knows when their cases will be reviewed? Who knows? Um, and so this is Australia. I don't, I don't know much about New Zealand. Kate? Yes. Yeah, so there's been, when there is international outrage, it's been limited. But a lot of people are like, well, why doesn't New Zealand take some of the people from the detention centers on the offshore islands? And since 2013, the very conservative New Zealand government has offered to take refugees from the detention centers. But Australia never accepted the offer because New Zealanders have special visa access to Australia and the government was worried about creating a backdoor to enter the country. I don't know why anyone on any of those detention islands would ever want to enter Australia after what happened, especially if they're given home in New Zealand. But, you know, we'll take the Australian government's word for it. This is also considering that the U.S., with all their problems, have had two administrations committed to taking refugees from these detention centers in connected to Australia. Um, the Obama administration had made a deal with the Australian government to take a, a little more than a thousand refugees from Nehru and bring it to bring them to the U.S. And Trump, the Trump administration stood with this and has been slowly bringing people in for the last four years, even during COVID-19, when we've had travel bans from almost everywhere, the Trump administration has still been making an effort to get refugees off of these detention centers, which gives you a sense of how bad the conditions are and how the international community feels about it. Is there a reason why you think New Zealand is taking and not Australia? Like, do they have any form of, um, like, visa, passport kind of thing that, you know, the EU does? I don't know if you mentioned this yeah, already. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure it's the same way around where Australians can come to New Zealand, um, like the EU. But I think that New Zealand 
has its discriminatory faults, but is not as bad as Australia in terms of, um, and you also got to remember, so we're talking about Australian asylum seekers versus New Zealanders taking in refugees. People can't asylum seek to New Zealand because the waters are too treacherous. Their boats would literally never make it to New Zealand, which is why people have never really tried to get to New Zealand and have instead gone to Australia. And there is a big difference in terms of processing for asylum seekers and refugees. I see. Gotcha. I I just think this is all so fascinating in the sense that I only really discovered this in February of this year, um, which is very surprising that this much is going on amongst the New Zealand and Australia, Asia Pacific um, government in their news. And many of us, including myself, really don't think about uh, that region, what's going on there. We kind of have maybe a positive picture painted in our mind about them. Um, But in reality, it's kind of the same rhetoric that the United States, um, some of Central American countries, European countries are all shifting towards that rhetoric of kind of an anti-immigration policy. Um, So I just kind of, want to say keep in mind that this is not just here like it's going on everywhere in the world right and it's been going on way before the trump administration got into office so um the spinoff a new zealand news company um adjusted the u.s's population to new zealand's to see like how many refugees they were taking in per capita and before the trump administration ever came in they were accepting the same amount of their quotas were the same as trump's quotas have been since he slashed obama's in half and it has been either below or at the level of the trump administration's quotas for the last 10 years so i think the really important thing to take off of this is that for a lot of people i feel like trump's rhetoric and his openness about his disdain for immigration and for refugees and for asylum seekers is shocking to a lot of people but these atrocities have been happening for decades not just our administration not just the obama administration not just in the u.s around the world but it's been sugar-coated over nice language so nobody notices Uh, just makes your heart break for all these kids trying you know yeah But anyways, thanks for tuning in today, you guys. Um, We really appreciate it. Feel free to leave us voice messages um, and any other feedback suggestions you guys might have. And if you have stories that you don't think are being covered enough, let us know and we'll try to cover them for you. Thanks. Thanks.